0: What's up guys and welcome back to the Football Outside the Box podcast, where we discuss the past, the present and the future of football. Final day, Championship Sunday, the Premier League is coming to a conclusion and we still have no idea how it's going to end up. The title race literally down to the wire here now. And as Wansap mentioned last time, it could go even further if City lose 6-0 and Liverpool tie 5 all, So let's start with City. They are going up against Aston Villa. What are your thoughts about this one? Do Aston Villa have any hope at all of causing an upset here and spoiling the party?
1: I think they would love to, with the manager being Steven Gerrard and all that. Maybe he's thinking, I've just spoiled Burnley's survival hopes. Maybe I can spoil City's title hopes for my own team, Liverpool, but I, I can't see that happening. Aston Villa lost a key defender in Ezri Kansa. Today, they played, so for some context, we're recording this off of the Aston Villa-Burnley 1-0 draw. They started with Chambers and Mings, which none of them give you confidence. Right. Mings he's very highly rated just because he's he's a left footed center half, which is rare in, in modern day football, but defensively he makes mistake every single minute that he plays. No chance that Aston Villa can salvage a, a point even in this game. I, I was looking at Emi Buendia. I it's easy to point him out because he's conceded a penalty and he's he's scored, but more importantly, I think John Macon had a pretty good game today. He, I think he played a little higher up than he's he's used to. His energy could provide some spark in, in a much needed... I mean, it'll be very much needed for Aston Villa to have any chance against City. But I think it's going to be a comfortable win for City here.
0: I would agree with you that I think it's going to be a comfortable victory. But I do think he kind of being harsh on means, to be honest. I know that a lot of the footballing world as well would probably agree with you, to be honest. I do on certain aspects of his game, but I do think he adds a lot of area threat. I think he's, he's he sticks in a challenge, which can be bad sometimes, but he, I think, adds presence because of that. But anyways, back to the original point, though, I don't think necessarily that will be enough to stop them because I think City are going to have pure domination in this match. And I just don't know if Aston Villa have enough to hit them on the counter attack.
1: Yeah, pretty much. That's what it's going to come down to. They do have the players, certainly. Buendia has, he's been scoring and assisting the last few games. But I'm not really convinced by Aston Villa's quality to be able to say, I really fancy them to give Liverpool a chance at a title. and we we have to remember that city are gonna be very determined to play this game. They have to win. You know, they slipped up uh, last weekend. can't have any more of that.
0: And Pep won't allow it either. so yeah, I
1: mean they're they're mentality monsters. we 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 all know about their mentality, how how focused and how determined they are. So and they've they've proven that over the past few years, score predictions easy four nil
0: city run away with the title yeah easy, just like yeah. that yeah any key players to the call for
1: well on city side i know people have been talking about ederson how he should be making those saves it worries me a little bit just because you know one goal can change the game but on the aston villa side i'm looking out for buendia and McGinn. McGinn for personal reasons you know we his, he's a very hotly debated player between me and Noah. Buendia was very rash today. He gave away the penalty unnecessarily, but he's scored and he's been in form. So I think if anything's going to come from the Villa side, it, it's going to have to be from him. So watch out for those two guys.
0: There you have it. Moving on to their title competitor, Liverpool host Wolves at Anfield. You're thinking no chance for them, being, as you said, City win, but they have to go do
1: their job. Yeah, I think Liverpool, we saw against Southampton, they pretty much, I don't want to say gave up, but they're obviously putting less emphasis on the league. They're, if, if I had to put a number on it, 80 70% of their focus is on the Champions League final, and whereas the remaining 20 and 30% on the league. You know, I mean, it's considerably less chance of them winning the league, right? It, it's not in their hands. So uh, with the with the fitness of Salah and Van Dijk in question, like who knows who's going to play, you know? But Liverpool showed it against Southampton. Even without those key players, they can grind out results like, like it's nothing. So I, I do think they'll win against Wolves. Wolves have been, as we know, very poor recently. I don't think they've won a game in a month, in over a month, I should say. We don't even know who's going to play for Liverpool, but I think they're going to win.
0: You don't think that the Champions League will be on the minds of Liverpool at all, thinking that, okay, maybe City are more than likely going to come out with the win in their fixture? Maybe one eye on the Champions League final?
1: No, yeah, of course. yeah. That's why it's going to be very interesting to see what lineup they put out. I don't see them putting out their strongest lineup, but I, I could also see them putting their strongest lineup out because there, there is a chance. You know, you can't give out the wrong message that, you know, how stupid are they going to feel if, if City do drop points and Liverpool also drop points because they put out a weak inside? Uh, I don't know, but it's, you have to say the Champions League final is, I mean, they've got more than one eye on the Champions League final.
0: So that's the question, right? Am I with you having to be there to pounce in the scenario that City slip out? But do you risk getting a player injured or fatigued for the Champions League final for this potential slip-up from City? Or do you put your eggs in the basket of the Champions League because you know that this is solely in your hands?
1: the fans will be in support of resting your players. I think Liverpool fans are, I know a lot of them are more desperate for the Premier League than the Champions League, just because they've had a lot more success in, the, in Europe. But I mean, it is understandable if Jurgen Klopp decides to put maybe not all eggs, but a lot of the eggs in the one basket and that basket being the Champions League final. That is also a reason why I think City are going to win the title because Liverpool have a lot less focus and motivation on this game and the league in general if Liverpool do win this game there'll be a 92 points that point tally in itself would have been enough to win the league I think 15 out of the previous 20 seasons
0: that's quite an astonishing stat to, to be honest
1: yeah I mean similar story right 2-3 seasons ago I think they achieved 98 points was it and still didn't win the league I think history repeats itself here.
0: Liverpool fans are just going to definitely be remembering that stat because they will be salty about that. Understandably, to be fair, but I ain't complaining at this moment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They deserve it, honestly.
0: (laughs) Talking about being there to pounce when needed, Arsenal take on Everton at the Emirates. And they're in a similar situation to Liverpool where they're kind of relying on Tottenham to drop points here.
1: But they don't have a Champions League final to prepare for.
0: (laughs) Well, they don't have a Champions League final to prepare for. How are the chances looking for Arsenal in your sake right here?
1: Well, before I go on to the game, what's a day for Everton today? They were down 2-0, not looking great, and bang. They, last weekend if you remember they conceded three goals from co- uh, crosses today they scored three goals from crosses two being set pieces and one being a brilliant cross or sorry one being a cross that wasn't dealt with properly and a ricochet off of Richarlison I mean I'm not an everything supporter but I think this is why you watch and love football If if you saw the reaction from the fans it's that's, that's what we are, you know. That's what fans do. Fans, they love their club. This is what it means to them. And it good for them. Good for Everton for staying up. I think if they went down, it would have been a big loss. I don't hate Everton as much as you do. I don't know why you hate Everton. I'm I don't sure hate Everton. You... Oh, you don't? No. Uh, maybe it was somebody else then. But Everton are... They are a pretty big club, you know. So... have been a big loss for them to go down but anyhow that result today is a great news for arsenal arsenal would have been facing a relegation threatened everton on the final day and if you're talking about motivation what what more motivation and what greater motivation do you need so probably a big relief for arsenal and that you know you're hosting an everton side that have nothing to play for right now and oftentimes coming off of these these moments we see teams often put out a, a shitter of a performance. So whether it be the jubilation, they haven't recovered mentally from that, or they're just tired and they, they're already on holiday, whatever it is. I, I do see a comfortable win for Arsenal here. I know Arsenal are pretty beaten up at this point as well, but that's how I see this game. Just I'm just looking at circumstances this game.
0: Yeah, I would say right now, Arsenal look very gassed right now, very tired And you can tell that the whole season has just been a long haul for them. And had it been that Everton were battling for relegation in this one, I probably would have said an Everton win. Because that would have just been classic Arsenal to fall short and allow the other team to outplay outplay them. But as you said, having seen the fact that they've secured safety, I don't know. Still, I think that that could be better for Arsenal. But it also might, you, know, you could easily see Arsenal get complacent as well from that and accept defeat, knowing that Tottenham are technically in the driving seat at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's very easy to go into this game. You know, you're relying on a Norwich side that they won five games this whole season, their goal difference is negative 56. And you're expecting or you're asking them to be a, a spur side. I mean, it's easy to go into this game with that already defeated mindset. I don't know. It's going to be important to at least keep the players focused. You know, it's, it's not over. It's, it doesn't look likely, but it's not over. I know it's easier said than done. I know these players are probably... They, they, I'm sure they would probably rather not play this game than to have to play this game. To, because they, they know they blew their chances. Most likely. So it's important to get their mentality right this game, I feel, more than the tactics. You know, they've been performing well at home all season. They already have that part drilled down. It's about whether you can focus on this game and really just do your job, you know, and finish the season off on a high and maybe (laughs) under crazy circumstances, even on a higher note, you know, maybe qualify for the Champions League. So on the topic of getting the players' mentality
0: right, we saw, obviously, Arsenal had a shambolic performance against Tottenham, and then Arteta came out saying, okay, if we need to forget about that and move on to Newcastle now, and he clearly failed to just move on to Newcastle because he didn't get their mentality right for that one. But then after that, Jaka came out with a statement in a post-match interview saying the players weren't ready. They didn't have, they didn't listen to the coach. They don't have the balls. And it now begs the question, because in in a normal scenario, I would have been saying, okay, the manager is at fault for not getting the players on board with the right mentality. But these comments from Xhaka, does it make you question what's happening internally? And thinking maybe are these play- some of the players at least just simply not up for the challenge and that he doesn't have the players available who do have that right mentality. Whose responsibility is it or is it maybe a little of both?
1: It's definitely a bit of both, but I, I took problem with his comments just because of the fact that it, it came from him. I know you have different op- different opinions than me on this, but For a player of Xhaka's history, we know his history. He's been getting sent off, uh, stupid tackles, putting his own team in trouble. For him to come out and criticize the other players, mind you, he didn't perform either. He didn't turn up either. And who knows whether it was a dig at the younger players or whether it was just, it was just a comment to, you know, rouse the players up. Who knows? We'll never know. But for him to come out, for him to come out and say that publicly, that didn't sit right with me. If it was any other player, I would have said, I mean, what he said is right. Nobody stepped up. What he said is perfectly fine. But it's just, it came from him. That's, where, that's what I had problems with.
0: The thing is, with Jaco's history, I think a lot of Arsenal fans would agree On this, but definitely the fan base is split as far as their support towards Xhaka. I would say that it was never necessarily about him not having balls or not necessarily being a warrior in the midfield. I thought he always had the fight. Whether it came down to him making stupid or costly mistakes, maybe his temper got the best of him and he wasn't able to manage that. He didn't have the maturity to manage that. Sure, I can buy all of that for his history. But I don't think it's fair to say that he never put himself on the line for the club in terms of physically on the field. He was always willing to put himself in front of a ball, always be willing to chase down, always be willing to play any position, don't care where asked. He's never once complained. Whereas we see players like Maitland and complaining about not playing midfield. Xhaka has never once done that. And I think that goes a lot to say that he has those balls that he's talking, that he's talking about, that he's requesting from the other players or that he's calling on. The mistakes, that's a different topic. He definitely made mistakes. I've seen him give away the ball in very costly areas just from a footballing standpoint, held on to the ball too long, made slide tackles when he didn't have to, made fouls when he didn't have to, lost his temper when he didn't have to. For sure, not denying that. And that is frustrating. But about the bars itself, I don't think that's fair to call on him to say that. Now, going on to whether he was targeting the younger players, he did mention the age doesn't matter. He said whether you're 18, whether you're 35. I did notice a weird kind of chuckle from him right as they asked about the younger players. I don't know whether he had people in mind when the question was asked or if he was just chuckling at the fact that, Of course, the interviewer would ask that question and maybe he was chuckling at the question. But that to me is kind of besides the point. I get he's calling on that. But to me, it's about raising the question as, is he right? You you said he's right about the players not having the mentality to step up and they didn't step up to the plate. Do you now have to fully blame the players for that? Is Jaka coming out and saying, yo, the players need to take responsibility. It cannot always be the manager being looked at. If the manager is doing his best, he can't physically control players. If a player like Carlos Tevez decides to not go on the field, Mancini cannot grab him and put him on the field. He can't do that. So it, that could have been a similar situation maybe with Aubameyang behind the scenes that we don't know. Maybe with Ozil as well. Back to the question,
1: is the manager still responsible for that? I think a lot of times we use the manager as a scapegoat because he's he's the guy in control. he's the leader and I, and rightfully so, he should take the blame when things don't go right and when his plans don't go to don't get executed. but I'm just going back to what you said. We'll never know what what instructions were were laid out or how he prepare these guys for the Newcastle game or how he will prepare for these guys or how, how he will prepare these guys for the Everton game. But at the end of the day, he's built this squad. I know we have players like Pepe, you know, holding all these players that he didn't buy, but this is becoming his team. And he's the one that let go. We, if we keep going back to this again, but he's the one that let go Aubameyang, the Ozos, we, we don't know the full story behind it. We, we might never know, or we will in the future when the backstory comes out. But he's the guy that built his squad. He's the guy that's let go of these leaders that he could have used. And I, I think the blame mainly just falls on that part, the squad management. I think after a certain point, I don't know if there's much you can do as a manager when your players are just not turning up to the games, when your players are not strong enough mentally. And it looks like it is the case with Arsenal right now.
0: We're looking at Ozil and Aubameyang, and we spoke about having the balls. Ozil and Abameyang, to me, when you watch them play, sure, they had incredible ability. But did they really have the balls we're talking about?
1: Ozil? Ozil did didn't. Had... Ozil didn't.
0: But even Aubameyang, there's many times that I've witnessed even Aubameyang walking or not running down a ball or go- when he goes quiet in these games and... A defender bounces him off the ball. He'll just accept the bounce and just kind of spin off and and keep jogging. But like, it, like to me, even Eddie, when I watch Eddie fight for a ball, I never saw Abameyang have that level of fight that often. Not near. Sure, he had more goals. Sure, he was more clinical and maybe more ability. But it's about the balls we're talking about. Being able to put yourself on the line, having that mentality, Abameyang. If he's the one being a leader, that could in theory be almost cancerous because if he's the one being the, the base, the role model that people are watching and he doesn't have that fight, that's going to trickle down and it's going to stem from him. Everybody's going to follow in line from that.
1: Well, then we can look at it from this angle too. Look at the player's he spot. Tomiyasu, a quiet player. Odegaard doesn't look like a leader at the moment. But ben he's White.
0: been captain, though. He's been if if you hear him talking in his about Odegaard in training and in well, the dressing well, we're, room.
1: We're talking about ball, You're talking about balls. You're putting the fight in. We didn't see none of that in an Arsenal kit. Ben White he often gets rattled by away fans. I mean it. It just comes down to the squad that he's looking to build, and a lot of the players that was out there was not his players. But it all comes down to who he brings in as well, and the players that he's brought in not up to it, in in that sense.
0: No, I disagree with you on Benway. I think the first game against Brentford was one game that everybody took and they exacerbated it into identifying him as his player who gets bullied. And that has not been the case throughout the course of the season for him. And even if you watch the types of blocks he puts in as well, to put himself in front of the ball for the team, it is very, very commendable, and very bossy of him. Gabriel as well. He is that type of player. Odegaard, okay, I can buy what you're saying as far as putting himself about, but he's talking as far as leadership qualities as far as no. Organizing. We're not talking about
1: that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about Jacques comments right now.
0: Okay, okay. In terms of putting himself on the line, sure, I can agree with that.
1: We didn't see none of that from Ben White at Newcastle. You can't disagree with that. You can't deny that.
0: The the Newcastle game, I think, is one game in a vacuum that I would agree with. But I don't want to get too critical of it because Newcastle, first of all, did play a very physical game, which I commend them for. I am praising them for their ability to have a very good physical game and playing out those tactics. Ben White and Gabriel are two players who are just coming back from injury. So that could have a big effect as well, especially going into a physically demanding game right off the bat at St. James's Park. One of the most physical matches probably you could play in Premier League. Like that's a typical what you'd think of a Premier League football match. It's not easy.
1: Well, let me put it this way. We might laugh at Phil Jones, but he's never been the one to not put himself on the line for the club. We might question his ability or his availability, but whenever he's come back from an injury, whenever he's thrust into the lineup, he's never disappointed the fans in terms of putting himself on the line, you know, fighting for the club. And I, I, I simply didn't see that from Ben White. That I that mean, that I know he's coming back from an injury, probably wasn't 100% fit. He probably stepped up saying, God, I, I can play this game, even though I'm not, I'm not fit. This is the biggest game of the season I can play. But so that's ballsy to me. But that's. So to so are talking about different kind of ballsy, you know, not talking about Xhaka's comments.
0: No, the, what, so then what's the type of ballsy you would be referring to?
1: You're referring to the ballsy comments from Xhaka as players who would fight for the club, who would put their body on the line to make blocks, make tackles. Didn't see none exactly, of that from Ben White.
0: No, but you're saying if he, has, if he has offered to put himself on the line, aka go out on the field, even though he's injured, that is putting himself on the line for the club.
1: Being well, able to carry
0: out the physical demands is different.
1: We're assuming that. We don't know how fit he was. And so we can't, we can't decide whether he was 100% fit or 50% fit. We can only determine by what he showed on the field, and he didn't show that on the field. But if you, if you are playing with a broken leg, I know it's, an exa- it's a
0: very exaggerated example, but the point is if you're playing with a broken leg, and somebody knocks you over and you're physically not able to keep up, but you're still trying to and fighting to keep up, that to me is more bazi. That is what bazi means. Being able to is different. It's about having the courage to be able to, it's about having the courage to risk it.
1: I mean, you can think that way. I just didn't see it from Ben White at Newcastle.
0: You guys let us know what you think if you thought you saw it or not. Tell us what you think buzzy means as well to you whether you think it means having the ability to put yourself on the line like that or having the courage to put yourself on the line like that I say courage one says ability let us know what you think moving on to the terrible side of north london we have Tottenham they travel to Norwich and all they need is a draw but if Norwich somehow sneak A snatch and grab. Arsenal need to be there to pounce. Putting it out into the world, just so you know. But anyways, any chance for Norwich? Or you think it's wrapped
1: up? I think it's done. Comfortably? You would have to say, probably. Unless Norwich decides to make it tough for Tottenham and sit back and try and counter them. Or it's the last game of the season. Last game of the Premier League for at least a year. So... If they decide to go on and just enjoy the game of football, it's going to be a comfortable win for Tottenham.
0: You don't think Spurs could come up with a Spursy kind of move?
1: They always could, you know. They always could, but I think Norwich might be too weak for that to happen.
0: I'm going to agree with you on this. I think if I'm being realistic, Tottenham should have this in the bag. Norwich don't have anything to fight for. I guess maybe their pride, they want to go out with a bang. They could do us a nice favor. Maybe that is motivated them a little bit. They definitely have the red half of North London backing them. So <laughs> let's let's see how that helps.
1: Well, you know Arsenal's away kit is yellow this season. Might have know.
0: to wait. I might <laughs> have to wait still.
1: Talking of Norwich, who's already relegated, it's down. It's down to two teams now uh, for the last relegation spot. Burnley who host Newcastle, and Leeds, who travel to Brentford. Who do you have being relegated this year?
0: Why? I think I'm going to go with
1: Leeds. I, I think so. Because, I mean, I saw the game against Villa briefly today. Nick Pope. I'm just looking at the keepers here. Nick Pope and Melièr. Melièr is very shaky to me. He's, he's good on the ball, but in terms of keeping the... The danger out and keeping their shots away, not up to it, not up to Pope's standards. Pope has carried Burnley and kept them out of danger countless times over the past few years. I would like to put my faith in Pope rather than a young keeper in Melier.
0: Besides just the keepers, now I want to take a look at
1: each of the oppositions.
0: Brentford for Leeds, where's the threat there for Brentford?
1: Oh, set piece is 100%. (laughs) Leeds conceded the most from a set piece in the Premier League. They can't deal with it. They just cannot. And like I mentioned, they have some sort of rivalry between Thomas Frank and Leeds. So the players will be up for it. The fans will be up for it as well. Last game of the season, Brentford. They could end on a high. I'm sure they would love to. On the other hand, Newcastle coming off of a great performance against Arsenal. They will probably have most of the ball this game against Burnley, but I don't know if Newcastle have that that cutting edge to really create a big chance that, you know, that would require a huge save from Pope.
0: Right, I was about to ask you because I feel as though Newcastle may bounce back well after the win against Arsenal, but I feel like Burnley could make it difficult for them. I feel like they're going to be organized and they may match them physically.
1: Yeah, Burnley will definitely make it tough for Newcastle uh, Burnley players to watch out for of course Corne Leeds on the other hand I don't know <laughs> I think Leeds are in trouble
0: <laughs> if anything Rafinha was probably the obvious standout but we'll see how it all develops we'll see who really stays up and who goes down but that's about it from us don't forget to like subscribe comment leave reviews you don't know like the Facebook page as well
1: yeah, the link is in the description in the bio. Final day of the long Premier League season. Exciting, but also means we're going to be without Premier League football for a good few months. So enjoy your last Premier League game. Thank you very much as always, and peace out.